listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the FCF Leadership Podcast. In the last episode, I did a quick breakdown of what the Enneagram is and why I believe it's important. To help explain personality assessments better, I recently had a conversation with Dr. Diana Sells. Dr. Sells has a doctorate in God-centered psychology from LaSalle University. She's worked for corporations, helping them understand how personality assessments could better their work, and she was also my high school English teacher. I believe my fascination with this probably started from her. Hi, Dr. Sells. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me, Whitney. I'm so excited to see your face. Well, it's so good to see you after all these years. I know. We've kept in contact on Facebook, but it's great to see you. Oh, in person, for sure. Okay, so I'm going to ask you some silly questions just to start off and get us loosened up a little bit, okay? All right. Pineapple on pizza or no pineapple? Pineapple on pizza. Yes! (laughs) I'm a pineapple and pizza person as well. Coffee or tea? I know the answer to this, but coffee or tea? No, you're going to say tea, but it's coffee. Uh Uh-uh. When I was in high school, you drank coffee every morning. Okay. Well, I thought I carried tea around all day, so. You may. (laughs) You may have. Okay. So tell us a little bit of your history, your background. Where did you go to school and what did you get your degrees in? Well, I grew up in Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, and uh, moved as a young adult to Tulsa, where I met a lot of my Christian friends Mm -hmm. and started on my Christian ministries and worked there. And I I got my master's when I was in more of my middle years, in my 30s at ORU in Christian counseling psychology. And went online and got my PhD in the cutting edge of all that, uh, which my life tends to be on the cutting edge, but um, at LaSalle University out of Mandeville, Louisiana, in God-centered psychology is what it is. That's so neat. Theocentric psychology is what it's called, yeah. That is okay. First of all, I I didn't know that that's what your background was in when you were my English teacher. No, I and it makes that quiet. Yeah, now it does, doesn't it? It does. (laughs) Um, Okay, so just for a little background on us, you were my senior high school um, English teacher. Absolutely. But you spent more time on, in my opinion, from what I remember on personality development and understanding our personality than we did actually doing English assignments. And Uh that stuck with me the most. I think it opened my eyes the most to things that I need to work on. You know, God just compelled me. I got my English studies in and I taught what I was supposed to teach. But I just had a burden that there was a season of students at Victory, seven, eight, nine years where I taught that God had his hand on them to know this information. And I made sure you did. And I used it in your writing skills and all of that. So it was very applicable. Loved it. Loved that season of my life. We did love languages. You brought somebody in to do the DISC assessment. 
Yes. Took us through the Myers-Briggs. Yes. And at the end of the year, you have us give out personality assessments to adults around us. Yes. Um, and it was completely anonymous. And it was just so you could see yourself through other people's eyes. Yes. It was so interesting. Um, it is interesting. Because, it's fascinating. Well, That's why I'm in the field. Yeah. <laughs> I love and it. And at that point, mm -hmm. you don't realize how you come off, how you're portrayed, how you're portraying yourself to other people. And so, and, right. and teenagers can be so self-centric. I think it's so interesting to pull other people's perspective. It helps give you a, a more rounded view and opinion of yourself. So it's not just, here's what I think of myself. It's here's how I'm portraying myself. Here's how I'm carrying myself. And here's what other people view me. And when you look at others, you don't see them so much through your own eyes. You try to see them through their own eyes. Yeah. And that is really key in organizations yeah. and marriages that I know when my husband speaks, for instance, that he's speaking from an ESFJ perspective from Myers-Briggs. Uh -huh. uh, and I'm thinking from an INFJ perspective and try to keep that in mind. It just really helps us understand and develop the constructive use of our differences, yeah. which is the purpose of temperament typing. Yeah, that's so neat. So today the Enneagram is very popular. It is. I'm a qualified trainer in the MBTI and I still train. And by the way, I have a website, dianacell.com, if anyone's okay. interested to know about my services. So I thought I'd put that little plug in there. Yes. But uh, I understand the Enneagram and I've enjoyed it, but I'm not a qualified trainer in sure. it. Yes. So, so as long as everyone understands that, but I, there's no way I'm not going to understand the Enneagram. <laughs> well, it's, it's just a different view of a personality. It is. Type or trait or. It is. It. it is. So even before you were my English teacher, though, you were on staff at Harrison House, or it yes. wasn't just Harrison House, it was Eagle Management Group, and Correct. it was like six or seven different companies. There were nine. Oh, nine. Okay. Would you please go through and let us know exactly what you did there? Because I think this is one of the coolest things, Because and the I years that you were cool. there. I can't tell you the exact years. I was there seven years, but I can't tell you off the top of my head. It would have been in the 90s. And uh, I was hired as a consultant to do first level interviews and recruiting, bring someone in to do an interview and do the Myers-Briggs on them, which was, I still think, the finest, but there are a lot mm -hmm. of good ones out there. Um, and when I, when I did that, I was able to, uh, first of all, my knowledge base extended to the nine different companies. Mm -hmm. And I knew the temperament types of the leadership in those companies and the temperament types of the people over the divisions within that particular company. Every organizational company has its own temperament type and it stems from its leadership. Yeah. So I could know instantly by looking at the interviewee that came in, uh, I could know instantly if they were going to 
thrive, not be able to do the job, but thrive within that environment of that particular company that they're looking at. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people would come in that looking for a job and their nature is highly creative. Mm -hmm. And the job they're looking at was in a very structured, uh, more rigid type of organizational setting. I knew that they could do the job but I knew they would burn out very quickly because temperamentally they weren't suited to thrive in that environment. And it gave me the opportunity to steer them toward maybe another job that was available at the time in one of our real highly creative companies, uh, maybe smaller, not as large, uh, where more of their entrepreneurial creative spirit could emerge spontaneously and have a say, have creative input and uh, know that not only would they enjoy their job, they would thrive within the environment they're in and the people they're working for. So does that help explain? Yeah. It's, I, I also loved, so staff placement was what I would do. And, uh, I trained the company in the Myers-Briggs so they would understand the importance of understanding who they were looking at on a second or third or fourth level interview. And I also did conflict resolution. So people who were, I'll never forget being taken into a room and where desks were set up in computer Uh, cubbies and nobody was happy in that environment Mm -hmm. Um, and the reason there was a lot of I said let's talk about why you're not happy the extroverts said we're happy but the introverts said well we're not happy and I said okay let's look at where your seating placement is the extroverts were spread out between rows like first row second row two in the third row two in the fourth row the introverts were placed next to them can you see a problem existing okay so the extroverts while they were working loved to energize by talking to the people around them while the introverts while they're working want to work in silence so I said this is an easy fix let's just move all the extroverts to the front and the introverts to the back put up a higher little wall between them you know on the cubbies give them their quiet space and give them their talking space and after that there was never a problem so it's that's just a simple example of the things I would do I loved it. Love that period of time in my life. Well, it's so interesting. And I think it's so applicable to churches and ministries. Like, for example, um, if you've got volunteers that are on the host team, but they're totally introverts, um, it's probably not a great idea to put them where they're greeting a whole bunch of people because they're going to get burned out and tired and drained. Mm-hmm. So for those people that are wanting to volunteer on the host team, like maybe put them more in hospitality where they're not encountering as many people and they're still serving and giving back. It's, it, I think understanding personalities is so important in church community, in church leadership, for those very reasons that you talked about 
in the corporate world. Yes. Now there are animated introverts. I'm one of them. My husband is one. Okay. And we animate easily and mm-hmm. people tend to think we're extroverts, but we're not. But so there's a lot of fun that goes into figuring out, well, if you're an introvert, would you enjoy host? I would as an introvert and I type out zero on extrovert, zero. Wow. But if, um, if people came through the door one or two at a time and my job was to greet them, I would enjoy that. But you know what? I know I would not come across as effusive as maybe a Whitney Baldwin would <laughs> in ESFP who would come more from the heart and effusively welcome them. So if I were doing staff placement, I would say, let's get an ESFP up there uh, who can just immediately make people feel comfortable in their presence. So it's not that anyone can't do it, but what is your purpose? You always ought to ask, what's your purpose in placing this person here? What are they gonna be doing? And uh, if you want people to instantly feel warmth when they walk through that door, your ENFP, I think it's what you are, not an ESFP. I don't remember. Yeah. I'm but, an EN something. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, then you're probably the ENFP. Um, someone effusive at the door that would exhume warmth and look for temperament type because they would enjoy that. What you're studying when you do temperament type is preference. Mm-hmm. What a per- Not what a person can do, right? but what they prefer to do, what is mm-hmm. fun for them. A lot of people get locked up in doing volunteer work in churches, uh, in positions that they can do well but they, they're not fun doing that. That's not, that's right. And as a result, there's high turnover. Yeah. People will stay in positions where they're having a good time. And the crazy part is we always look at somebody as far as how, what do you do rather than who are you? Right. Discover, my whole thing is discover the who within you and then express that. You know, I I discovered the who within you. I love that. And I think I feel like that was God gave me that one. But um, absolutely. The whole key is not can they do it? Can they do the job? It's will they thrive doing it? Will they have fun doing it? That's going to lower all the training you have to do for all the new people that come in because the other ones either burned out or got bored. Mm -hmm. We have, and I'm speaking more from the MBTI now, I can speak from the Enneagram, but we have all eight functions in our personality to pull from for our preferences. And the more you can get closer to four preferences in any volunteer position or leadership position someone is in, the more they're going to thrive and want to stay there. Mm -hmm. So less turnover. Yeah. And I'm so interested on how this would help an individual, like you just said, find the who within you. How taking a personality assessment test would help an individual just for themselves. 
does it help them discover who they are? Or? Absolutely. Oh, the light bulb turns on. Mm-hmm. I, you know, going back to all the years I taught the high school students and all the students I had and seeing those light bulbs turn on in their head was one of the greatest joys I had. Let me give you an example. Now, this was not a student, but uh, I read and have led small groups mm-hmm. uh, doing the Myers-Briggs and like you say, turning on light bulbs in people's heads. But um, one young man, when we were finished uh, during one of the sessions, spoke, said, can I ask a question? I said, oh, of course. And he said, I'm an ENFP. And my mother He said, as I read this, he said, I want you to know that my mother has had me in 13 different psychiatrists' offices to eliminate the very things I'm reading are my personality. Wow. To eliminate. And he was crying. Wow, yeah. Because she was... They had no understanding of his differences. And obviously they were four letter opposites. Mm-hmm. The ENFP is very free spirited, mm-hmm. very given to um, master changers. They're called moving around, getting things done, like to move from one thing to another and have a lot of creative input. Um, but the opposite of that is quality control, um, inspection, um, the four-letter opposite. That's the downside of that temperament type. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, in this case for this young man, his mother thought he was crazy. Wow. That's how valuable it is for him to come into that understanding and walk out of there totally free. He was free. From I can speak from my end. My husband and I are polar opposites um, on the Myers-Briggs. I can't remember what we are, but I remember us laughing that we were the exact opposites. Um, but understanding where each other comes from, it's mm-hmm. totally taken like a lot of pressure off mm-hmm. because when when I think he, like he's being sharp or controlling or whatever, I can really hear what's actually happening. Like I can see it in his heart. Like this yes. is where he's at. Don't react to how it's coming off. Understand the heart of it. And Very good. I think about the church, Yeah, you know, and I think this is a place the church could be missing it. Yes that they relate to one another through the spirit, which is fine, but ignore the psyche, the soul. Wow. Uh, which is our personality and yes. how it evolves and who wow. we are. Uh, you know, mind, will, emotions, personality all come from the soul. Mm-hmm. So um, it's really not a scary thing. It's really, it's a, it's a 
fun thing to integrate within your team membership where they can have the understanding and then make maybe take it to the people like their volunteers mm-hmm. and do some typing on them and sorts that sort of thing. And there are a lot of easy online tools people can use now without having to go to a great expense. I want to talk to you just for a moment about how this could improve your leadership. Um, I mean, you kind of spoke about that as far as with Harrison House and your HR department there, but understanding those around you, you can help keep them from burnout. Is that oh. what I understand you say? Yes, um, absolutely. Um, when you're operating out of your opposite preferences, let's say you're put in a position that you're very let's say you're very effusive and you're an extrovert and you love to speak in front of groups. Maybe your pastoral gift comes out that way. You're hired for is administrative. Mm. And so you're maybe second in command. In time, you, you wear out. Because right. those aren't the prep, those aren't the things you enjoy. You'll move on if you don't have if this person didn't have room to maybe once a a month be able to speak to enjoy the preferences and then go back. It's like a home base in a baseball game. Something happens and you hit the ball and you've got to run the bases and choose each base which preference you're going to pull from all day long. And it may be parts of you that are not your preference all day. And at the end of the day, you need to be able to go to home home base, which is Mm -hmm. your four favorite preferences. And it's important that you can just be you at home, at work or whatever, knowing you're going to have to pull off preferences that aren't yours. That's right. Yeah. But you need to know where to go back to re-energize or you will burn out. Yes. And training's important. Uh, talking about it. Um, for instance, if somebody, and I'm speaking again from the MBTI, I, would you that's rather okay. I speak from no, the no, Enneagram? Okay. Um, <clears throat> it just comes most easily to me because I'm trained in it. Right. But uh, if somebody works, let's say a feeler, okay, let's say a Whitney, works in place with somebody who is a dominant T, a thinker. That doesn't mean Whitney doesn't think. I need to point that out. It means it's how she makes decisions from her value system. Uh, And you run into somebody who's very logical and task-oriented. And the first thing in the morning, Whitney is wanting a little hello from the person in charge. How's your day? How'd things go yesterday? How's your mom? How's your dog? Then, but you've got this person over here putting something in her hand saying, this needs to be done by noon. And here's just a clash, just from leadership to somebody underneath them. I mean, just just a classic example. Whereas if that Tea person knew Whitney loved to have a little 30 second chat before the day started, then he could stop, pause a moment, warm up, and say, Whitney, how are you doing today? Good. You ready to get going? 
All right, let's start. Here, take this, and I need it by noon. Right. No, you're like 100% spot on. Right. So that's that's why it's so important. It's not, it's you're even in the church, the leadership and your volunteers are your human resources. They yeah. are your human resources. They are. They must be cared for and taken care of. And the main way to do that is understanding the constructive use of their differences, placing them where their four preferences can thrive as much as possible, understanding what their types are. Um, if they have to have desk placement, allow extroverts to get up and move around in their position and talk all day long. And introverts allow them a place to cubby up and be left alone while they work. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's not as difficult as it might appear on the surface, but it, during the years that I was doing it at uh, Eagle Management Group with the nine different companies, those companies were thriving. Yes. They had very little turnover. Yeah. And the reason was the placement people would come down and tell me, I'm so happy in my work. Not I can do my work well, mm -hmm. but I'm so happy. I love the people I work with. I'm happy in this company. And that's what you want in your mm -hmm. leadership in churches as you're building teams. I'm happy so here. One of the other things that um, I'm realizing as we're discovering more about church and ministry and personalities is there may have been an old mentality of the leaders are there to serve under me. And, you know, like coming from a lead pastor or maybe not a lead pastor, but a supervisor or whatever that looks like. Sure. And the one thing that I have really come to discover recently is you are also there to serve them, to help them become the best versions of themselves, even in this leadership position. It is not so much as them needing to be submitted to you, but you also to them. And the Bible actually instructs us to do so, submit one to another. And um, I really believe that this personality assessment, whatever it looks like, whatever people decide to do, DISC, Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, whatever, um, will help that, you know, instead of one single leader, like you were just talking about, who is a thinker coming in with facts, 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 and ignoring all of the feels, mm -hmm. um, the feels are going to turn away and be like, no, that wasn't for me. And that's not how we want, you know, ministry. There's, I, I said in the first episode, there's not like a cookie cutter person or a cookie cutter ministry. That's right. It is all individualized because Jesus and the Holy Spirit are in each one of us. And it looks different to everybody. Well, you nailed it. It's called relational leadership. Yeah. And the inherent in the word relational or relationship means to relate. Mm. And it's a servant leadership is what it is. Yes. That's extremely important. The days of being dictatorial are far gone. Mm -hmm. People won't stay around put up with it. They've got too many options. You have to care for your human resources. Indeed. And um, for everyone in a leadership 
positions, maybe the elders of a church and uh, the pastors and associate pastors of the church could come together and start there with a Mm -hmm. small core where they learn how to work with one another. And in time, as they get a swing, and you do, you get into a swing of how it works. Take it then to groups, perhaps the elders are over, you know, the individual, just disciple. You mentioned that the other, disciple them in it. And, uh, work within your group to have understanding um it's it's god shedding light is what it is on the soul it is and where souls can meet and understand and respect each other's differences there's joy i'm not trying to change you right into me right i'm not I want you to function as you. Now let's find a place where you can function freely as yourself. Oh, but first beautiful. you have to discover the who within you. Yes, I love that. So good. Dr. Sells, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. Well, it's been my pleasure. Thanks so much for the opportunity <laughs> with me anytime. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like to get in touch with Dr. Sells, please go to drdianasellsphd.com. On the next episode, we'll be diving into the Enneagram 1, talking with my friend Shana Moore and learning more about control. Thanks for listening to the FCF Leadership Podcast. To learn more, go to fcf.org.